Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99 at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. Mike is so excited. He's so, I'm going to tell you this. We were, we were texting about a, a, a guest hosting show next week, and he said, man, he's like, our producer is more excited about having y'all than he is to us. And I said, it's funny. Tiff says the same thing when I guess so. She's like, the staff is a little too happy. <laughs> the dress for a brother from another is not one of your little fancy blouses, okay? So take a look at how people dress. I'm going I'm to have my Michael Smith T-shirt game, my Michael Holly T-shirt game. I'm going to get some cool throwback stuff maybe a, a, a Hillman t-shirt. So that's how you're supposed to dress. I'm sorry. Those you are the rules. You tell me how to dress, Jason. I'm going to wear my favorite sports team jersey. <laughs> favorite sports team? Really? Really? The Washington Generals? Is that you'll what you're going to me. You will see who it is. All right. Hey, everybody. Don't adjust that dial. I am Tiffany Cross filling in, as you can see, for Michael Smith and Michael Holly, And I am joined by my wonderful colleague, Dr. Jason Johnson, also known as the poor man's <laughs> Tiffany Cross. What's up, Jason? I love, um, I love how Michael asked me, but I joined you. But I like how yeah. that's set up. I like, I, I like how you try, well, to try to play me from the very beginning, Tiffany. <laughs> the person who knows the most about sports is the person oh. that carries the most of the show. And I just gotcha. want to say about the, the T-shirt, about what I said mm. I would wear. Um, so my favorite team jersey did not arrive in time. So I decided oh. instead to wear a shirt that is representative of what uh, most of the power structure and corporate structure of these teams look like. So this is actually symbolic oh, of all yeah, that. Okay, Respected. Okay. It was it was a cow but, eating grass, right? And then the cow ate all the grass <laughs> and then just left. Tell us about your Afro Punk T-shirt. It's first off, the Afro Punk is a fantastic. Uh, concert series has been going on for over 10 years. It's in Atlanta. It's in New York. Sometimes they have it in Chicago. They've had it in Johannesburg, South Africa. It is art. It is music. It is is all all of the things sort of Afrocentric, Afrofuturistic. It's one of my favorite concert venues to go to. I haven't been in about a year and a half uh, because of what's been going on with COVID. But because I listened to the dress code, Tiffany Cross, yeah. I was prepared for a brother from another mother. I have my throwback, my Afropunk, while you are wearing the jersey of, I guess, street clothes Anthony Davis. No, I'm or telling your favorite you, New Orleans look, pellets. Excuse, excuse me. I'm telling you, this shirt is symbolic because, like I said, mm. it represents what most of the coaches and owners look like um, in different sports. So uh, I know a lot of folks are joining us on uh, SiriusXM. So for those who cannot see, I am wearing a white shirt. Uh, I bang in my white tee, as they say. And Jason is wearing his Afropunk shirt. So, But I, yes. honestly, can I just say, though, I am seriously thrilled to be here. Uh, so shout out to the Michaels for um, for begging me to let you co-host with me today. Uh, I think we're going to have an amazing show. We have a lot to get to. And uh, I know you have a lot of opinions. And I just want to say try to keep up with me because we're going to be getting through a lot of topics. And, um, you know, don't, don't slow yeah. us down and, and don't embarrass us. In front of and, Michael. And, and so for those of you who are not familiar with Tiffany Cross from the Cost Connection, MSNBC on Saturday, every single Saturday from 10 to 2, uh, 10 to 10 to 12 in the afternoon. I, Jason Johnson, I'm a regular on Brother from Another Mother. Michael asked me and Tiffany bogarted herself into the conversation. <laughs> I After did. Michael asked I me did. to guess those, and Tiffany said, why not me? I know about the yeah. sports ball. Tiffany Cross. That is, that is actually, accurate. <laughs> who, who watches most sports documentaries and doesn't know how they end. Uh, but that's Tiffany Cross. We're going to give you a great show today, starting off yeah. with, we're going to start with Tiff. Brittany Griner. Um, listen, I want to be very serious on this topic because this is a very serious topic, and I'm so concerned uh, about her in Russia. So as you know, Jason, she was back in court today, she did plead guilty uh, to the charges against her um, for she's accused of drug trafficking. She did plead guilty. I just want to explain, though, to our audience that this is not an admission of guilt as it is in American courts. Um, this is all a part of a strategic move to hopefully bring her back home as soon as possible and safely. Um, and we hope in good health because we've Jason, you've heard the horrific stories 
um, from the Whelan family, from Trevor Reed, what he experienced. And so uh, we really don't know how she's being treated because we have not had the opportunity to hear from her. It was heartbreaking to see her uh, cart it through that little hallway. Uh, you can see on your screens there that we just showed. And she was holding a picture um, of, of her and her wife. And it was just heartbreaking to see. But the point of her pleading guilty is essentially so she can be brought back home because right. it will require a presidential pardon. So she has to be convicted to be pardoned. Uh, so this is all very strategic. but. You know, Jason, the biggest thing is keeping her name in the headlines. I, I think yeah. that's the, the most important. Um, putting pressure on this administration. There is a chance, though, that making this such a public case and, and putting this, you know, pressure on the administration could embolden a very dangerous Vladimir Putin, um, particularly as U.S., the, the United States is giving so much aid to Ukraine. Um, and as they're negotiating prisoner swaps in this instance. I'm curious your thoughts on it. So there's a lot of different elements to this, Tiff, and I'm, I'm glad we're, we're talking about this because, one, there's this presumption out there that I think by some people that work isn't being done, okay? We're literally yeah. in a proxy war against Russia right now. Let's not pretend that what's happened with the Ukraine is different. This is basically two different superpowers, former superpowers, shadow boxing each other. So Brittany Griner is caught in the middle of an international incident. It's not as simple as uh, her former coach saying, of, oh, if this was LeBron, she'd already be home. No, if this is LeBron, we might never see her again, right? Putin yeah. would probably never want to give up somebody like LeBron James. And we don't have to put this as far as, we don't have to have an intersectional argument of, you know, would it have mattered if she was a straight woman or a, or a white woman? What, you have a war going on and the Russians are going to use whatever propaganda they can in order to empower their position. So that's the main thing that we got to understand. What's impressed me, though, quite frankly, Tiff, is the way in which WNBA players and NBA players and athletes across the country have kept her name in their mouths. LeBron yeah. James, Kyrie Irving, Chris Paul, you know, Every, there's not been a week that's gone by, and here we are two weeks since the NBA championship ended where the Golden State Warriors won the teams from California, to, in case you didn't know. Um, we have not gone a week since Brittany Griner has been gone and not heard from athletes standing up for it. So that part at least has encouraged well, me. He's not sure. going to be forgotten. But let me just say, though, to your, to your first point, I, I, again, I agree with everything you're saying. When this initially happened, there was some concern um, from the people around her who did not want her name in the headlines in the same way right. because they thought it would compromise uh, whatever was happening with her over there in the efforts to bring her back home. I will say, I, I take your point that, yes, Brittany Griner has been in the headlines, but she's been in the headlines because there is an entire team working behind the scenes to keep her in the headlines. I do right. think there is some legitimacy to people saying, had this been Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, or LeBron James, even if people said don't talk about it, it would have been the A block in a lot of shows. People definitely would have still talked about it. When she started, um, when there was this effort to push like, no, 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 that was the wrong move. We need to talk about her and keep her um, name in the headlines. That was very much an effort led by black women uh, across this country. There's one in Jotaka Edie um, who's organizing a lot of uh, efforts to, to keep her at the forefront. She'll be on with my colleague Alicia Menendez this Saturday uh, on MSNBC. So it's not an organic effort. It's not like, you know, people were just like, oh, randomly, let's talk about her. There was a strategy here and there was a mm -hmm. method to keep her uh, front and center uh, in the media because I just don't well, know that that would have happened organically, honestly. Well, it's not going to happen organically because let's be candid, the WNBA isn't as popular as the NBA. I mean, like, there, yeah. there are lots of people in this country. Like, if you think of, you think of right now, Tiff, the, the most famous athletes, the most famous women's athletes in America are Venus and Serena, and they're not even at their peak anymore, right? Maybe then yeah. you get to Naomi Osaka. Maybe then you get to Megan Rapinoe. I mean, we have famous women athletes in this country from the United States who probably would elicit massive amounts of attention. Brittany Griner happens not to be that particular person. So obviously that comes into play. But, you know, the larger grand scheme of things is, is look, we, we've had people get held overseas. We've had these kinds of situations in the past. I have been impressed that we've seen any kind of effort. And, and frankly, and this is the other thing that kind of concerns me, because I've seen some of the sort of negative reactions of people like, oh, my gosh, well, you know, she, she shouldn't have had drugs. She shouldn't have this or the other. Let's be clear, okay? You're talking about a black person in a country run by a white nationalist president who used to make all sorts yeah. of racist comments off and on air about Barack Obama. 
she doesn't have the same kind of rights there. Okay, this is not right. this is not Lamelo Ball. This is not you know some rapper getting caught with a, a bag of weed in the Netherlands. This is a situation where you have a vested interest in trying to shame and embarrass this woman. And my hope, frankly, is if and when she can get back into this country, that we have a discussion, because this is the thing that hits me, Tiff, about why it is so many of our premier athletes feel that they need to go into a hostile yeah. country just to make a check over the summer. Yeah. That, and honestly, that is the true discussion here. You know, I, the WNBA does not make as much money as the NBA, right. uh, but I do think it speaks to the pay disparity uh, between men and women, period, but definitely when it comes to uh, athletes. And so I, I think... I. When she comes back, I, I stop saying if, when she comes back home, because I do right. believe that Brittany Griner will be brought home, and I, I hope the same happens um, for the Whelan family as well, because, you know, just the, the, the horrific testimony that we heard from uh, Trevor Reed and what he experienced over there, we don't want to leave anybody behind with a brutal dictator such as Vladimir Putin. So when she comes back home, I do hope that that's where the conversation goes um, as to why she had to play over there in the first place. So, uh, but I know you wanted to talk about something very specific here and talk about who could be the person to negotiate yes. to get her out. There is work happening behind the scenes. Tony Blinken, Secretary of State, um, is in touch with the family. You know, uh, President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris called her uh, or called Cheryl Griner, her wife. Uh, we don't know all the details of what happened in that call, but they did have a conversation. So all this is progress. But your point, Jason, is who is someone outside of the government who could go yes. over there and bring her home? And who is that for you? So, so I'm putting this in the context for y'all, right? Like, back in the day, you go 35, 40 years ago, this used to be Jesse Jackson's thing. Like, Jesse Jackson yeah. actually... From Iraq. Like, the hostages yeah, from Iraq. Home, he, he brought home hostages from Iran. My yeah. dad was actually involved in that mission way back in the early 80s. One of wow. my earliest memories. Yeah, yeah. My father was actually part of that mission. I can say that now because it's been 35, 40-something years. Um, but, you know, Jesse Jackson brought back hostages. There used to be people... And, and, and what he did, what was always interesting about Jackson is... His thing was, it was a way to embarrass Reagan because the Iranians were like, we're gonna give these hostages to this black man who is critical of the American empire. So I'm thinking to yeah. myself, who is a politician now? I mean, would it, be, would it be Mayor Pete? Maybe not, he's in the administration. Maybe Gavin Newsom or something, or Stacey Abrams. There's got to be some American politician. Hell, Dennis Rodman. I mean, he talked to Kim Jong-un. There's gotta be some American celebrity or politician or something who could make a pitch to Russia, where they would benefit, where their egos would not be bruised, but we could get Brittany back, Griner back soon. I, who is your guest? Stacey Abrams. I guess? mean, if Stacey Abrams brought back Brittany Griner, <laughs> what more can this woman do for democracy? Right. You know, black right. women are exactly. on the front lines of democracy and freeing hostages. I wouldn't even be a little surprised. I would just be like, yeah, it's Tuesday. This is what we do. You know, this is, this is how we live. Uh, if she brought back, but the sad part is, if Stacey Abrams brought back uh, Brittany Griner, it would not only make her an American hero, uh, but it would make her a global superstar. And the sad oh, yeah. part of that is she would still have a very tight gubernatorial race <laughs> in the state of Georgia. Yeah, yeah. What it, <laughs> it, it, isn't that the crazy part? Like, I, I see Stacey doing this, like, almost like Trinity from a black lady sketch show, like some spy yeah. mission where she comes in, saves it. Like I said, you know, the, the only person who's been bringing more people back from Jesse Jackson is, like, Liam Neeson from Taken, right? We need, yeah. like, some Liam Neeson-level skill. But, I mean, there are, I think there are political leaders in this country that, and I'm not being cynical, really, when I say this, who have, have sort of positioned themselves as the kind of people who care about these kinds of issues in a transcendent way. And that's what I think is important. I think when we look at Brittany Griner purely as black queer woman basketball player being held, we forget about the fact that this is also a human rights issue. And that we yes. have human rights activists in this country who are like, hey, you know, political prisoners aren't a good thing. And speaking of which, and I just want to throw this out there because this is how you and I talk in general, those people like, oh, I don't know, a certain conservative, foolish person who pretended that he used to talk about spirits, those people who pretend that Brittany Griner being held as a political prisoner is the same thing as January 6th political prisoners, that's crazy, oh, my that's Lord. nonsense, and yeah. I won't even acknowledge the clown show, you know? Yes. Like, I don't even yes. think uh, that that person's ignorant, asinine, ill-informed, coonish behavior even needs to be talked <laughs> about here. Homeboy, uh, I swear. Like, I don't even know. If everybody, we were just talking about this. If everybody stopped talking about clowns and just blocked these people and didn't give them the attention that they so desired, it would be Desperately. a much 
better society. Twitter would be better and society at large would be better. Like, please shut the entire fuck up with your stupid opinions about (laughs) anything related to black folks. You are the white man's black man. Stay in your lane and stop talking about anything pertaining to us. Without you even mentioning not, his name, we can say that. You could you could not get to the sunken place faster with a giant <laughs> yo know, oil drill and a steam shovel. Because, because <laughs> exactly. that's the thing. It's like it's like how can you just on some straight humanity? It's not about fidget. Uh, how can you on some straight humanity say, Yeah, it's fine to hold somebody for 139, 140 days for a simple drug charge? It's the same kind of people, but honestly, Tiff, I think it's the same kind of people who used to go after Shikari Richardson. And all the people who yeah. are like, I can't believe she used drugs. Yo, chill. Okay, she faced consequences. Yeah. It doesn't mean that she needs to be shamed and embarrassed and lose all her income for the rest of her life because she smoked weed at some particular point. And I say this as somebody who does not partake, who understands the law, but the consequences You don't partake in what, exactly? What don't, <laughs> don't you partake, partake in, exactly? I don't partake in, uh, in, in, in the wacky tobacco, in marijuana, in any of those things, <laughs> Tiffany Cross. That is... <laughs> You know what? Yes, you you honestly didn't even have 70s. to say. But let me just say, you didn't even have to say that you don't partake. By virtue of you calling it the wacky tobacco, I think well, those of us who do partake would assume <laughs> that you do not partake. They would it's always clear. assume that, yes, yeah, it's very clear. Yeah. It's very clear. It's not you quite, made it clear. Not quite my, it's not my, quite my thing. But, you know, but again, yes. I, I, I would hope, I, I would really, really hope that she does manage to get, like I said, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not an if, it's a win. Um, but how she'll be treated when she returns and what that's going to be like and how that sort of yeah. sets the precedent going forward and what that means for WNBA players who are saying, hey, do I want to go back over there? Can I go back over there safely? That's the real question, because there's also there's a there's a hockey player, uh, a Russian hockey player being held there right now uh, who I think has dual citizenship or something else like that. So it, it's never a good thing when our professional athletes become political footballs. Yes. And the fact that, like, again, the fact that they were even having to go over there in the first place and the story that we heard from Trevor Reed about the food deprivation and some of the things that they're doing uh, to folks over there. So I think about Brittany Griner um, multiple times a day. And I, like at this very moment, what is this woman experiencing? Is she being cared for? Is she being fed? Is she being taunted? Is she being tortured? And so I can't imagine what her own family is going through. So on a very serious note, we are definitely keeping uh, Brittany Griner and her family in this entire situation um, on top of mind, uh, and we'll certainly be talking about it consistently on the Cross Connection um, every Saturday and, until she's brought home. We will not let her uh, name fall out the headlines. Um, we should probably switch gears and talk yes. about some of the uh, other things. I have to tell you guys, Jason completely <laughs> dictated all of our topics today. I had thoughts, and Jason weighed in and said that and my, my thoughts, thoughts were, were lame and, and my wet. thoughts were better. What's that? What did you say, Jason? I said my thoughts were heavier and better than yours, but that's okay. We'll just we'll say we'll say it's that fine. when we get back from break. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're gonna go to a break. We'll see you on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Mikey. Welcome back to Brother from Another Mother. It is me and Tiffany Cross. You guys are seeing this right now. This is the trailer for Viola Davis's brand new movie coming out later on this summer, The Woman King. The true story, for those of you who've never gone to Wikipedia, the true story of a group of black warrior women in Africa from the Dahomey Kingdom, not Dahomey's, Dahomey Kingdom, for those of you who didn't know. Did you know somebody out there saying, yo, Dahomey? Dahomey got open? It was the homies, uh, though. These were the homies. The homies. If I'm getting into something, from. I want the homies like this with me. <laughs> um, so this is the new movie that's coming out. The trailer just dropped yesterday. I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I'm going to start with Tiffany. What did you think when you saw the trailer? What are your thoughts about seeing this? And then we're going to go to our friend Karan and get his thoughts, too. But Tiff, start off. How, What's what up, Karan? First of all. Well, first, let me give a big shout out to uh, to uh, Karin, because Jason insists on calling I you Karin. I'm sorry, Karin. Karin. <laughs> um, uh, but listen, I thought the, the trailer was so dope, and I was watching it. I mean, literally, I'm such a dork, because when I saw it, 
I was uh, watching it on IG and I mm-hmm. was still in bed when it when it dropped. And I got up and I started doing these sword moves and I was I couldn't help myself. You I just what? started mimicking what I was seeing on screen. But let me just say, Jason, okay, because we were talking in the last you block about. Did you throw out your hip? Did you when you were doing them? No, I didn't throw out my thing? hips. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you. <laughs> we were talking the last block about the role of Black women and saving democracy, and this is something that is a long tradition of Black women. And it's, I think this movie is great because it's important for Black people to remember that our story did not begin when we arrived in this country in chains. Our story began long before that. And I love telling stories of our triumph, of our fight. We did not lie down in submission to the British soldiers and volunteer to, you know, just sacrifice ourselves uh, to come build different uh, nations. We were taken and we fought. There were so many, uh, you know, stories of black women holding down the fort, including in Ghana. So when I first saw this, I actually thought this was the story of Yas Tale, who is a Ghanaian woman um, who led the battle um, in, in Ghana during the slave trade. Uh, this movie also raises interesting questions about the role that fellow Africans played in the slave trade with brutalizing you know, fellow African people to sell them uh, to the white men for, for arms in exchange for arms. So I, I'm thrilled to see Viola Davis in a role like this. I'm thrilled to see uh, black women depicted this way. Um, it fills me with such pride because in many ways, not comparing the brutality of uh, and the evil that existed in the slave trade but in many ways this is a tradition that continues with black women continuing to fight not necessarily physically but continuing to fight uh, on the front lines today so I'm excited I, I cannot wait to see it this is a movie I can already tell I'm gonna watch eight times so I, I, I got feelings I got feelings and those of you guys who know I'm, I'm I gotta be candid about the stuff that I like does it look exciting yes it does am I excited about Viola Davis yes I am in fact, I watched this when it dropped, and I was like, okay, it's good. I see action. It looks historically accurate. I noticed that people are running without shoes on. That's something that actually started. Uh, Shaka Zulu was very famous for that as far as training, everything else like that, all those things. It, it, I, it had me, but I got taken out at, like, the two-minute mark. And this is something that bothers me about movies that are ostensibly supposed to center us and center our people. Why does there have to be a scene with some redemptive white guy in the trailer? Why do we, in the midst of this trailer, which is supposed to be about empowering black women who have banded together, protect their king, there got to be a scene of a sister in a cage kissing a white man who is part of the enslaving group that we see at the beginning of the commercial. That bothers me that we can't just have movies that are about... Look, I would expect to see an LGBTQ couple. I would expect to see some black love, but I just find it interesting that every single time you can't have a movie about black folks without having some redemptive white person in the trailer. But we don't know the scene. We know uh, but the let me just say, she's Jason, here kissing, she's kissing this no, white guy in, in a prison. Let me just say, we don't know mm-hmm. the story. Like, perhaps she was using her black woman sexuality to seduce this man, to free other people. We don't know the full context of the scene. And that, too, is something that black women have had. The overly sexualization of black women, the rape of black women. There could have been a moment where she said, this is what I'm going to do to free my people. I'm just saying, I haven't seen the movie yet, but that is a possibility. I'm saying, given what we see out of Hollywood and the tendency to have to put these kinds of characters in, that you can't have a film where white people are generally depicted as the colonizers and as the bad guys throughout the entire film, it is much more likely they might that he's be. the one noble white guy that happens. It, and I, I find the fact that black women are oftentimes in film used as rewards or gifts or validations for white men's transformations going all the way back to Monsters Ball. That's what bothers me. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to see the movie. I'm going to be there yeah, day one. So, I'm going to sit there in the theater with you. But those kinds of scenes take me out of it. And it, it just, that, that bothered me because okay, I could have seen nothing but black beauty the whole time. Well, fair enough. I take your point. I do want to say we're going to talk later in the show about the inverse of that. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) how some black men, perhaps, who might be athletes, value non-black women. Um, But we'll get into that later. Karin, I want to hear your thoughts uh, on the Woman King trailer. I thought it was dope. What'd you say? Uh, First of all, I'm just happy to be here. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Tiff, you made it. Uh, You know, your great sports knowledge. You made it to the sports show. So shout out Thank to you. you. Uh, listen, Push herself uh, <laughs> I, I side with Tiff on this debate if I had to pick Aww. a side. But, but to add some levity to what Jason <laughs> was saying, the reason why the white dude is in the trailer because that's probably what they had to do to get the movie made. 
because or else we had that ticket to the lone black production studio we have in Tyler Perry, and then he would have wrote this movie in a day and everyone would have had on Donald Trump wigs and would have been trash. So if we got to have this white dude in the trailer so that we can have this fine movie with these great directors yeah. and writers uh, where people get paid and it's just not some dude in his bathroom writing a whole script in five minutes, um, yeah. I'll take the white dude in the trailer. Isn't that sad that we fair. have to go through that? He yep. writes it on his private jet. Thank you very much. So let's be clear. Let's be clear. On an iPhone. He's actually writing on his iPhone on the private on the BlackBerry. <laughs> on the BlackBerry. <laughs> on the BlackBerry. But, but, yeah. but Mr. Phillips, but this is the, this is the thing though. But this is what what gets me about that, and this is why I have that level of resistance. We have seen time and time again that that's not necessary. Those images aren't necessary to sell it to the audience. We've seen black films. We've seen majority black films. That is for the producers. That's not because you can't get somebody in Ohio to watch this movie unless they see somebody black in the film. That's because you've got producers in Hollywood who say, if I am in charge of the money, if I can green light this, I need to see a white man in order for me to feel good. And you notice it's a certain white man in a certain kind of role. He can't just be there as a noble person who's like, hey, maybe we shouldn't colonize these people or, hey, I'm going to switch sides and help with them. He has to be somebody who is sexually validated. That's what bothers me about it. And you're right. Maybe Tiffany will end up being correct. Highly doubt it. Maybe she'll end up being correct on this. Haters. But I, I, I look for the time where we can see a film that just centers us and our love and our adventure and our passion for take care of ourselves. Anyway, that being said, Karan, I got to ask you this. So I, you just dropped a new piece on Deadspin talking about another woman who would have been queen, who would have been in charge of a volleyball program at a particular school. I have found this story fascinating uh, as an HBCU professor who's got friends who have taught at HBCUs. Can you give us the breakdown of what the heck yeah. is happening at Grambling and, and why they seem to be having such difficulty finding leadership, whereas a thousand years ago, we were always put together an art. Um, well, we always were put together. And this is <laughs> the, the frustration I have um, in this, this HBCU resurgence, right? As an HBCU and alum that has, which a lot of people haven't done, an HBCU alum that has covered HBCU programs. That mm -hmm. means I've seen it from, from the, the journalistic standpoint compared yeah. to the PWIs and the Power Five schools because I've been there and I have been enrolled and been in these classrooms. I know these professors and what these kids are going through. And then there's this, yeah. this resurgence we're experiencing right now. Too many people who didn't go to our schools, the right. white folks and the black folks who only show up at homecoming or because mm. Deion mm. Sanders is around or because they want to go to our parties um, or, or do some type of social events we have, but when it was time you to enroll... You heard some feelings, Karen. Karen heard some feelings out here today. When it was time to enroll or send their kids there, it was like, oh, no, I want to give my kids a real-world experience Why should I send them to a black school. Then everything since 2016 has, has happened, and then they're all feeling sorry for themselves. I'm like, I deal with these microaggressions all the time, and I'm like, well, you should have sent your ass to an HBCU, and you yeah. wouldn't be feeling the way that you feel right now because I don't feel that way. But I have yeah. no idea what the hell is going on at Grambling right now because we have the Art Brown situation to where they stood by when all the reports were going on that Hugh Jackson, who has stood by Art Brown's in the past when he was in the Cleveland Browns and bringing him around that team after he got ran out of Baylor. So we heard the rumors. Grambling still backed Hugh Jackson. Then he hired him. They still backed Hugh Jackson. Then all hell broke loose and Art Brown's was the only adult in the room. Think about that last sentence I just said. Right. Art Bryles was the only adult in the room, and he resigned and stepped back. And even he realized this has gotten too crazy. Hugh Jackson is still there. I, I feel like they should have fired Hugh Jackson at that moment. Then they hire uh, Jesse Lucas, who is an alum of Gremlin, to be the new volleyball coach. And look, I, 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 in the story I mentioned that, listen, this hasn't been a good volleyball team. You can look at their records for the, mm -hmm. this past season, the last nine, 10 seasons. They haven't even been 500, let alone had a winning season. So if you're going to bring an alum to restore something back into a program, you're like, cool. If she's going to shake it up and clean house, cool. But don't burn everything down. Don't cut all 19 players and take away their scholarships because that's something a lot of people don't know. Scholarships can be taken. They have to be renewed every year. Right. If they don't right. like how you're playing, they're going to be like, nah, son, you got to go. And there's nothing you can do about it. Wow. But the fact that these players, these, these coaches, these administrators, the staff, nobody knew that she was going to do this. Right. 
tell me how this hiring process at Gremlin is going. Because this is the second coast in the past two months that has caused y'all national drama and national uh, people having the wrong eyebrows on your, on your program and on your school in this moment in the last six months. And neither of them got to coach a single game yet. Right. Like, Gremlin looks really bad. Not the alums, not the students, yeah. not, not the legacy, the people the in charge. Yeah. Half yeah. grambling, looking crazy, and that's what I'm upset about. Well, Curry, you said a few things in, in uh, your, your comments there that, that struck, stood out to me. I, despite my extensive sports knowledge, <laughs> did not know that college athletes can have their scholarships taken away. I mean, that yeah. is bullshit if I ever heard it. Is there a scenario, I'll ask both you guys this, is there a scenario, because, you know, people were negotiating the NCAA rules about, um, you know, nil rules, et cetera, for these players. Can that be negotiated? Where it's like, no, I want a guaranteed scholarship for four no, years, no, yeah. regardless. Know, Why can't that be know, negotiated? Because they're not, uh, they're amateur athletes, yeah. which is why they can't get paid, which is why NIL is great, but BS at the same time. NIL yes. is great because they can finally get some money. It doesn't matter what sports you play, who you are, even if you're even that good at that sport or if you're going to go pro. If someone just likes you and wants you around and wants to give you some money, you can catch that check. Sounds like a great idea, right? Until you realize that NIL has kind of been like three-card money. Everyone's got mm -hmm. caught up in NIL, and they're like, oh, the kids get paid now, but they're not getting these no money from these billion-dollar TV contracts. No. All this no. USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten and all this conference realignment and all these new TV deals with, with ESPN and ABC and all of this, those kids get none of that because they're still amateur athletes. So you can't unionize. You can't right. be an employee. So you can't have a guaranteed contract. You can have a guaranteed NIL contract, but you can't have a guaranteed situation with your scholarship because if they need to get rid of you, they can get rid they of This happened a couple years ago when Andre Drummond, who's in the NBA, went to UConn. He was one and done. He signed late to go to UConn. To, or, in order to get him, they had already had their roster because I think it was the, uh, in the summer when yeah. he finally signed on. There was a kid at the end of the bench who didn't play. They took him off scholarship to give it to Andre Drummond, and they put him. They found a way to like get him some money to stay on the team because he was one of those kids on the team that keeps the whole team GPA up. They get real creative with what they yes. want to do in college sports. And, and one That's of the terrible. things, Karin's making a really, really good point here. And one of the things I think is, has been sort of, it was excellent, excellent term. It's a three-card Monty. When people say, oh, name, image, and likeness, blah, 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 it's get paid. No, it's only paid if you're high profile, right? So if yeah. you are a volleyball player at Grambling, the local car, the, the local Honda dealer is not trying to have you do advertisements for them. You know, if you're playing on the golf team at an HBCU, if you're playing, if you're swimming, if you're rowing, any of the sports that are primarily subsidized by basketball and football, you still ain't making a check. So it's still a scam where you have these billion-dollar television contracts bringing in all this money, and the students are still trying to sneak burgers out of the cafeteria after the lunch period because they don't have enough money for ramen back in their dorm room. So that's that's what that I hear about. I, I will push back on this. This is this is the gray area where they can make money. You can be on on the girls' field hockey team, which gets right. no love. No one's putting them on TV. No one's going to see them. But there is some creepy old dude who runs the car dealership that thinks this <laughs> what the captain is really pretty and thinks that she can yeah. sell cars. She can get that check. Now, is that That's a true. really terrible situation? Yes. Yeah, that is. But, but yeah. she can get some money. That's how bad but it that's, actually but, is. But that is that is a shitty situation for her to be Correct. in. Uh, right, right, to essentially right. have to almost... Yeah, Right, you and know, like you're almost it, prostituting yourself to, to right, do something like right. that. And, and that's not a fair... Um, that I can see so many things going wrong with young women in college feeling the need to do that. Um, you know, this is reminding me... The, 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 Go ahead, the, the, the college students who make the most money off NIL, if you look at the top 10 lists, most of them are women. And then yes. think about what Tiffany just said, and it all makes sense. Wow. Well, it, it, wow. and much of it, Tiff, you'll see it. It, it is it is young women, uh, basketball players, softball players who have Volleyball. these Instagram followings. 
you know, mm -hmm. Instagram followings where they can monetize. And see, for me, that's fine because, hey, monetize your Instagram. That is you controlling your imagery anyway, right? But at its core, the idea that you've got, and this is what well, I was kind of curious when I was reading your story, you know, is there any insight as to why Coach Lucas thought that cutting 19 kids off from their only way of paying for school was the yeah. proper lesson. Like, why didn't she say, hey, look, you guys have one semester to get it together or I'm gonna get rid of you because a lot of these kids, they can't come back to school if they don't have this volleyball scholarship. Is there any additional information as to why she says she thought that was the smartest way to go? Now, she put out a statement, which I put in the story, um, mm -hmm. and she has inferred that she will start to speak her piece soon to tell mm -hmm. her side, and I'll be paying attention to that to see what she says. But to keep things light and funny, as we talked about, like, a, a terrible and <laughs> shitty situation, as Tiffany said, I just felt like she was watching Hoosiers the night before, and she was trying <laughs> to be Norman Dale, and she just went in and just fired everybody, thinking that was going to get them rallied up, or she was going to find some more players. And as bad as this might sound, this is actually true. You just can't, in that amount of time, when you were a brand right. new coach at a school you used to be at, you're not going to find 19 girls that much better than you had on your team already to just show up that quickly at your school yeah. just because you got 19 new scholarships. Logistics right. just don't work like that. Yeah. Right. But also, just, again, the 19 women who lost their scholarships, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, that is they're a, back that now, is a, though. They're back yeah. now. They all have been reinstated, so they're back. Thank goodness, because that, I mean, their livelihood was, was in someone else's hand, which is, which is not okay. Um, as you guys were talking about that, I was thinking, um, I recently watched the 30 for 30 <laughs> on um, Jalen Rose and Chris Weber. The Fab um, Five? The, the, the Fab Five, five you may know them Tiffany? as. Exactly. The Fabulous Five? Yes. The 30 okay. for gotcha. 30 that came out 11 years ago? <laughs> like, what? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. But someone oh recently, I first of all, I watched plenty of 30 for 30s when they first came out, but someone recently said, oh, have you seen the Fab Five? And I was like, it's no, like, I haven't like seen that. It's like top two highest rated ESPN documentary. Well, I didn't know that. Well, this I wanted is, to know, but I understand it if I hadn't. Uh, and didn't know if the Bulls won, so that's okay. Excuse me, Jason. Thank you. <laughs> I did not know I could watch the Fab Five because I hadn't seen the Fab Four, the Fab Three, the Fab Two, the Fab One. So I Oh, you thought this was Fast it. and the Furious. This is Fast and the yes. Furious? Yes. She was wondering when Vin Diesel was going to show up. She was like, where's the This rock? is the wildest the thing, though. The where's, where's Paul Walker? <laughs> <laughs> this is the wildest thing, that Jalen Rose, who is officially my favorite in the Fab Five, that this guy was playing his little heart out and did not have enough to eat at the end of the day. Like, right. that is just a shitty situation for these college athletes to be facing. And everything that, that Karin is saying um, about losing scholarships and about, you know, have, even with the NIL rules, having to go out there. And even, Jason, what you were saying with, like, Instagram, like monetizing your Instagram, even that requires some level of putting right. imagery of yourself out there to entice people to follow you. And as someone who never posts thirst traps. I just think that's not a fair position for any of these athletes um, to be in at all. And it was really sad to see that, you know, these guys years ago were going through that and that they're still going through it now. Thank I'm you. not doing Thank this with y'all. I'm you. not Thank doing you. this with y'all anymore today. I mean, Sprite, <laughs> I mean, Sprite told you to obey your thirst. I don't know how we can describe what Tiffany's been putting on Instagram. Anyway, the point is... I, I saw one. I saw one. I saw <laughs> Thank one. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, look, I will say this. I will say this to sort of wrap this one because we got we to gotta head to our break. You know, I think what this all highlights, though, is that for something that is so important to so many people, whether you enjoy watching sports, sports documentary, participating as a college student, to pay your way just for athletics, just for team, you know, for team camaraderie and learning and discipline, the idea that it can still make so much money but still be arbitrarily taken away from young people who are still developing their lives, that's when this becomes really problematic. So thanks, man, for bringing yeah. that story to our attention. Uh, it doesn't reflect, and I'm glad you also pointed out, it doesn't reflect on HBCUs. It reflects on grambling and their decision-making. Yeah. And I think, uh, just really quickly before we go to break, Karin uh, talked about HBCUs. He's a Mohouse man. Uh, so I wanted to shout out uh, the HBCUs. Jason Johnson teaches at Morgan, and I went to Clark. So you're looking at three uh, HBCU-affiliated folks here and Diversity Matters in Newsroom. So shout out to you, brother. And I hope everybody checks your uh, story out. Hey, y'all pull up the homecoming. Come see me. Definitely. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. 
What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, welcome back, everybody. A lively show. I hope that we are making both Michaels proud. I'm Tiffany Cross, as we said at the beginning of the show, host of The Cross Connection, airing on MSNBC every Saturday, 10 to 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Joined by my nemesis, friend, colleague, the poor man, Tiffany Cross, Dr. Jason Johnson. Uh, he has been doing great work filling in across the network uh, on a lot of shows on MSNBC, and I'm so thrilled. I think we're both thrilled to be joined by... Really, I would say the king of black Twitter, maybe, uh, Michael Harriet. Um, if you guys are, are not familiar with Michael Harriet's work, I encourage you, I implore you to follow him on Instagram and Twitter. His tweets, Michael, the tweet that you did about Freak Nick, I <laughs> laughed so hard. Do we have time for off. me to yeah, read this yeah, tweet? You, got, you guys got to bring that I have to read it. It was, I have it was to an read American it. classic. <laughs> Yes. Okay. I'm just going to read this tweet really quickly that Michael Harriet and stay with me guys here. Um, this is Michael Harriet's tweet. Freak Nick went to college, bought a house in Atlanta, in parentheses, really Alpharetta, joined a grad chapter, got a master's while raising two kids. Her youngest just got a full ride to Spelman, but she hates when anyone calls her Freak Nick. She goes by Essence Fest now. Her FICO <laughs> score is 773. Brother, the brilliance that you do that is both hilarious, informative, educational, but also a little inside baseball to us is so dope. How are you, my brother? So happy to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Although I, I do have to admit that I was really excited that this was going to be a meeting of the Michaels when I uh, got the email <laughs> and then I saw that like it was just going to be you two who I talk to all true. the time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you have to come back. You'll have to come back when they're on. And I have to say, I am excited about your new podcast. Um, well, you have a lot going on, so I'll let you talk about it. But I just saw a promo uh, with you and W. Kamal Bell uh, this morning and on your Instagram. And I tell folks to go and follow you on Instagram. Um, you're also, you have a lot going on at the Grio. So tell the folks what you got going on at the Grio. Yeah, we uh, just started uh, on Juneteenth. Uh, we debuted a new daily podcast called uh, the Griot Daily, and it's basically just talking about, instead of kind of regurgitating the news, we pick one topic and go in-depth and talk about the history of that thing and how to think about that thing instead of just uh, explaining what happened. I think so, that's so amazing. I mean, it's kind of like the Vox, really, of podcasts. Right, I right. think that's so dope. Sorry, Jason, I cut you off. Go ahead. One of the things, and this is the other thing about Michael that I, I find particularly interesting is the sort of the breadth of things that you cover. Because I just saw you in a documentary about uh, the history of black comedy. And yeah. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. I learned a lot, actually, in part one. I didn't know as much about Dick Gregory as I ended up learning. I learned some things uh, about Richard Pryor, the whole party record segment. Like, I remember my parents talking about party records. Tell me a little bit about your sort of your knowledge and how you got connected to, to stand-up comedians and, like, how you learned about the history of sort of black stand-up. You're, you're not a stand-up yourself, right? So did you no. just study the rhetoric or what? Uh, well... Uh, I'm not a stand-up comedian, but my favorite art form is stand-up comedy. Uh, I use it in writing. I use it in podcasting. And so I studied it, and I studied the culture. I've been a fan for the longest time since I was a little boy, and I got in trouble for listening to Richard Pryor tapes in church. Um, so <laughs> I've always... <laughs> so, you know, I always found it interesting that it is an art form that we created, and it's become a thing that is worldwide now, but when you look at the history of stand-up comedy, it's a black creation that comes from, and this goes back to my podcast, the history of the griot. Mm. And, I love and that. Even, there's even a thing there. Can you talk about this? What was it? The, the, the term punchline? Like punchline, yeah. the term is actually from black folks. You like because I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, Charlie Case was a was the first black comedian. 
and uh, he had a nervous twitch, and he used he used to play with a string on stage. But there were times when he couldn't find a string to twiddle with his hand on stage. And w- during those times, when he got to the part of the joke that was the end, he just nervously hit his fingers, and it be- I mean hit uh, punch his arm, and it became known as Case's punchline. And how we perform stand-up comedy now is based on Charlie Case uh, eliminating music and the band. It's like he was known. They didn't even have a term for it then. They called him a monologuist or the man who talks because they didn't really even have a term for what Charlie Case did. Wow. I, you know, th- I think this is the amazing thing uh, of all the hats you wear, Michael, um, that you can find the through line in, in all of these things because even some of your uh, Twitter threads, I mean, that is new age journalism. You know, like you are informing the masses and you're doing it from a very unapologetic standpoint of this is our history. Um, And it's interesting that you're among us at a time where there's concerted efforts to try to deny us our history. So you are um, just invaluable. I, having said that, I would love to get your take on this TikTok swirl (laughs) channel feed. I did, Jason sent around, this is something he wanted to talk about. I did read the Washington Post piece on this uh, about how lucrative this is for interracial couples um, to kind of parade their families. um, And they they make money off of it and people like it. And different people gave their takes. Some people in the article are saying, you know, we get a lot of um, racist comments. And the interesting thing I thought, they said that most of the racist comments (laughs) that they deem racist come from white men um, and or black women. So I'm just, Jason, I know you have a lot to say about it, um, but I'm just curious you brothers' thoughts on this whole TikTok swirl channel. I think the reason, like, I guess, interracial TikTok or swirl TikTok has become uh, uh, famous is because like seeing black people do normal things with white people <laughs> is endearing, like en- endears black people to white people. It makes you know, it makes us seem like normal, like a human being where, you know, you have to have, like, you know, you even, you two have even heard it when someone, you know, before they explain why you're wrong about something concerning race, they'll explain that they have a white friend or they dated a black guy in college because, or they they have a black niece or a nephew or they adopted black kids because that, you know, proximity to blackness is the only connection a lot of white people, and there's studies and statistics that show this, you know, 79% of white people live in neighborhoods that don't have a black person in their neighborhoods, whereas, you know, everyone else in America, every other demographic lives in much more diverse neighborhoods. And so I think that's part of it. And I think part of it is that, you know, online in in the social media world in general, when people comment on something, it's usually negative. Nobody says that was yeah. good, right? Like you just laugh at it or you send it to your friends, but nobody takes the time to type out a comment and send it to the person who made that. So most of what you're going to receive if you put stuff into the public sphere is going to be negative. And, and see, I mean, Michael, I, I want to add this because Michael's ahead, making a good point, especially with the way that a lot of your tweets go viral. Part of it is people like us who are interested and find what you say interesting, but part of it is people who get mad. And what, what I thought was fascinating about the article, quickly, is just this whole idea of, like, people's denial about what the drive is. The analytics in social media are driven by attention. They don't care if it's good attention or bad attention. There was a great tweet that came out right before this article that said, hey, just because you're an interracial couple doesn't mean you're an influencer. Some of these people are <laughs> legitimately interesting or they're legitimately yeah. funny or they just have adorable kids and you want to watch. But some of it, they know they are capitalizing on how people fetishize and the anger yeah. or the passion about those kinds of relationships. If I am, look, I can work out online all I want and say, hey, people follow me because I'm a fit guru no it's because they think i'm hot i didn't teach them how to do squats some of these people are being followed because they create content and some of it is for fetishizing can can i just say there was one uh clip uh, and it was a black man married to a white woman and he it was kind of funny because he was like putting on skin cream and he was essentially saying you know i gotta make sure my wife stay young because black don't crack and it's true i just came from essence fest and there were women coming up to me like yeah i just turned 65 and they look like me and i thought (laughs) lord let me have whatever you have But I will say, 
Um, the reason why I think there is sometimes backlash from black women outside of society constantly teaching us that we're unattractive, unlovable, unmarriable is Jason, don't start with me with your endogamy rates. I'm telling you, you mean, there you mean are facts, times where <laughs> I'm just saying there are times where um, black men, certain black men, not all, but some black men will go out and find someone who mimics our culture. You know, like the white girl can twerk and she likes hip hop. So that makes her cool. And we look at it or the, the Latino woman or the API woman, whichever. And this is no diss to the women by any means. But men will look at that and it's like she is mimicking the culture that I create. And you would rather have that because you choose to identify with anything but blackness. And that, I think, drives a lot of um, it's not rage. You know, black women aren't sitting around in our feelings crying because somebody else got it. But it does. Sometimes we look across the uh, divide. and We're like, y'all look absolutely ridiculous uh, doing that sometimes. So that's all I, I'm saying. I, I will say this as we go into break and I wish we could have this tweet. I, I, I do understand sometimes when it's rage because, you know, I don't know if you guys saw that viral tweet that came out last week of the interracial couple jumping the broom. I mean, there were lots of people who were, it was a black man marrying a white woman. They were jumping the just, People were legitimately mad just, about that. Like, that was, that was legitimately something to be angry about. So, anyway, He looks ridiculous. He they, looks they ridiculous. Did. They really look crazy. Anyway, we got to go to break. Michael, we definitely want to have you back. It's always fun to tackle. Thank now. you, Michael. Thank you for having me. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you. I just want to say, as we end the show today, today marks the 35th anniversary of the release of the album, Paid in Full. It is a hip-hop hey. classic. It is life-altering. And I want to ask Tiffany Cross, what is your favorite summertime album or summertime jam so that people know what to listen to heading out for the rest of the week? First off, shout out to Paid in Full. I remember when that album dropped. I mean, hip-hop has come a long way, so... It's wild hearing how old some of these uh, albums right. were. It makes you feel old, you know. But I would right. say my favorite summer album, the album that dropped that, you know, I didn't anticipate liking, it was Everything is Love, Jay-Z and Beyonce. That was a fire-ass album. Dudes are trying not to like it, and then you listen to it, and it was like, you know what, it was actually dope. And I love how it was... Uh, Jay-Z, one of my favorite lines is Jay-Z when he says, here we measure success by how many people are successful next to you. Here we say you broke if everybody is broke except for you. Boss. I love that line. I try to live my life by that line. So that was fire for me. What was yours? Wow. So I have a song, and it's always been my favorite summer song. It's It Takes Two by Audio 2. It Takes Two to Make a Thing Go Right. It Takes Two to Make It Out of Sight. I love it. I have always had wonderful memories of that song, and I've, I've probably told this story before on IG, but I say it really quick. I remember my fresh first year at college, and everything is real kind of segregated. It was a University of Virginia, blah, blah, blah. And, like, they start playing the song, and everybody started dancing. Everybody the, danced. The staff, the cooking staff, like, that's the kind of music I love. That's best Hip-hop summer jam nights. Hit. Uh, hey, I just want to say quickly, because we got to run, I just want to shout out the folks on Twitter who are rocking with us, watching us, tweeting with us. We really appreciate you guys uh, for joining. And don't worry, Michael and Michael will be back. But Jason, you take us out. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. See you soon. See you on IG on Saturday. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.